If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. These are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Thank you so much. My name is Chase. This is Chase Talks Hip Hop, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello, people. Welcome to the Chase Talks Hip Hop Podcast. And for this beautiful introduction, I just want to say thank you to all of you lovely listeners. And I want to thank the dude, Young Deuces, for being an awesome guest coming on the podcast and just pretty much telling me his story of how he got into music, podcasting, doing live podcasts, going to comic conventions, and all around just rounding out as an all-around artist, entrepreneur, podcaster, interviewer, etc. And um, he, he taught me some game. I learned a lot from this, and I think that the listeners will as well. If you're trying to get into music, start a podcast, or just develop anything, I think that this is a great show for you to listen to. Uh, me and Young Deuces, I, I had a great time talking to him um like i really enjoyed uh learning about how we got into uh creative writing and him telling that story it's really interesting and uh we even talk a little bit about the streaming scandal with g easy we speak on the loss of dmx god bless his soul lord knows we're we're uh, still grieving and mourning him i plan on dropping a, a podcast uh touching on some of the topics uh, regarding dmx tomorrow regarding his loss uh kid cuddy's recent performance that has caused in some ways uproar and in some ways you know a lot of understanding and uh, I'm going to be touching on that this week. I'm going to be dropping the to Pimp a Butterfly breakdown. And I'm going to have to do a breakdown of a DMX album. I, I really need to do a breakdown of It's Dark and Hell is Hot. And I might even try to transfer that over to YouTube and try to make a different different setup with all that. But um, mainly, I just want to say thank you all for listening. I had a great time doing this. Shout out to Young Deuces. Make sure to go follow him on the Geek Set podcast. Check out his one-on-one interviews. And uh, it's really good. His one-on-one podcast is awesome. He's talked to, to Savon from the Joe Budden podcast. He's talked to Roy Wood Jr. It's a very good show. And um, yeah, I just got nothing but respect for this guy. He's an incredible musician. His album is dropping April 30th. It is titled All I've Ever Wanted is an Opportunity. Remember, April 30th, his album is dropping All I've Ever Wanted is an Opportunity by Young Deuces. And I just want to say again, thank you all for listening. We're going to get right into the interview peace love positivity and i'll catch you on the flip side Okay, boss, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. All right, people. This is Young Deuces. He is a host of the Geek of the Geek Set podcast. It is a very dope podcast. As well as that, he's also a musician. He has been featured on the Sways Universe YouTube channel. He's also a poet. Just an all-around really multifaceted artist. And I'm very happy to have him on the show. He's been very cool, very gracious. 
And, um, yeah, I just want to introduce Young Deuces and um, just jump right into it. You know, I, I just want to ask you, you know, how, how did you get into the arts and uh, what was your initial influence and motivation? Yeah, no, no, thanks for that intro, man. I definitely appreciate it. You know, definitely appreciate you having me. Um, so, man, music, I kind of, music has always been a thing that I've been into. My pops used to do music. So, like, some of my earliest memories of music is being in the studio with him and his band as they record their album and everything. And it kind of just resonated with me. It was something that always stuck with me, something I always had a, a love for. And that was, like, my first, first love of as, as far as entertainment goes is, doing music, doing hip-hop, rap, you know, and things like that. Um, what's funny is, um, like, I've always had the poet side with it as well, but, like, as I was, when I was younger, I thought it wasn't cool to be a poet like that, right? So it was like I never really showcased that aspect. And then fast forward to now, you have artists like Wale, and I'm just like, damn, exactly what Wale's doing is exactly what I was doing when I was younger, but I thought it wasn't cool, so I didn't kind of – go forth with it so i kind of got to a point where now i'm just like you know what i'm just going to use every artistic bone in my in my body and put and put it out to the world and use it to my advantage and and you know what it's really interesting you mentioned wale because i'm not i'm not even bullshitting you yesterday i was actually listening to wale um i listened to uh, I think I think one of my favorite albums that he's ever done is The Gifted. I think that album is drastically underrated. I think I don't think he's ever had a bad release, but I feel like Wale, you know, that poetic style and as well as you know how that poetic style applies to you is I feel like like I don't know like you you just buy off that you you're the awesome rapper because like if you have that poetic background it means that you're able to weave through concepts, I think, much better than, you know, people who may not have it, you know, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm all about concepts. Like I always say, like, some of my favorite albums are albums that are complete. You know, when you listen to it from front to back and there's a story or a message or there's something cohesive about it. So it's like when I do my music and everything like that, I always kind of have that thought process of I don't want to make music that doesn't mean something. So everything has a meaning to it, everything, whether it's together, whether it's a random song that I put out, there's a meaning, there's a feeling to it that somebody can latch on to as far as emotion, uh, in an emotional level or intellectual uh, intellectual level. Well, yeah, and I, I think, you know, like when I think of Proof of Concepts, you know, the Run of Harriet record, the way you did the music video, the animation, I really think that it's amazing storytelling how you did that because you're taking – you know, very important historical figure, and you're um you're you're adding such a poetic backdrop. You're adding this visual. It's very educational, and you know I think that's the thing. Like I believe that hip hop, you know, among amongst all things, like I love hip hop because you can have fun to it, but also you can be educated to it, educated through it, and learn new things. And I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, what sparked um that record, and uh, how did it all formulate from? you know, from the song itself to the actual visual. Yeah, so Running Harriet is one of my favorite songs that I did because, like, so when I heard the beat, I kind of already had this idea of I wanted to be a song that, like, it's like a soundtrack or something. So what I, one of the things I started thinking about is I started thinking about when people are exercising or when people are doing, like, a 5K or running, there's music that they're listening to that kind of helps get them going. So I said, 
I want to make this song in imagining of if Harriet Tubman was on the run, this is the song that she would be listening to while she's on her mission. So when like so when I had that idea and everything, that's why I call it the run of Harriet because it has that up tempo pace and everything and it. And you know when you hear it, like even the lyrics that's it, like it's kind, of, it's it's talking about the run. You know, I said the clock is striking midnight, we in mid fly on the run. Like so, like I'm talking about the run as it's going on, and this is what's playing in Harriet Tubman's you know head as the song that of uh, during that time. So when it came down to the to the video, I was like, okay, I can do a live action video of this, but I said no, I kind of wanted to do it animated style. I wanted to kind of create that and I wanted to be I wanted to be simple but complex, right? That's why I did it with the white and black. So I said there's gonna be there's gonna be art within that simplicity of how that video was shot. And I said, but yeah, I mean you see it, I said, you know, add a little tongue and cheek into it. When she is saving people and she is on that run, she is trying to get them to join the cause and escape. And I said, you know, we have a lot of these public figures that we are dealing with that, you know, seemingly seems lost. And I said, you know what? Let's make a play off of the woke. Let's do the woke juice. And I said, I want Harriet Tubman encountering these people. And simply just, she's the one that's waking them up, getting them out that trance. So as you see it, like the first one, you know, this is, she She runs into Stacey Dash. You know, then she runs into uh, Omarosa. You know, then she runs into, you know, Floyd Mayweather coming out the Gucci store after he made his comments about Gucci when Gucci put that, you know, that, that um that seemingly blackface uh, turtleneck that they put out there. So it was like I wanted to have that moment of her going and waking these people up, getting them out of that trance, eventually leading to to the White House where you see Kanye West hiding with Donald Trump. You know, that was during that time where he was really, really on the Donald Trump wave. And it's just like, yeah, now you see everybody that she woke up right in front of that White House. And then you see her jump over the gate. And then it kind of fades out because I was like, you know what? Like we don't we don't know how that's going to turn out. But I I wanted to kind of have this that visualization of you see Harriet Tubman on the run on that mission doing that and kind of embody with the song. Yeah, and and all of that it was very impactful. I think how you put that is very beautiful because you know everything like the treatment I could just imagine how awesome the treatment of the video was because I, I just looking at the storytelling and how it corresponds corresponds with the actual lyrics and how it's almost like she's running through American history in a sense. She's running forward through history too. And I thought mm-hmm. that was very interesting for you to put it in that framework because I don't think I've ever really seen an artist kind of take a historical figure from the past and put him in a future tense, you know? Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what I wanted to do because I was like, I don't want to do anything, you know, that's too blasphemous. But it's like, yeah, it, it it reminded me of kind of like that Boondocks episode where Martin Luther King come like instead of him dying when he got shot, he 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 went into a coma. So then when he gets out the coma, he's in modern day, and he's just like, like this is not what we march for, right? So it's like he has that moment of like this, I'm in this real world, but like this is way different from what I was fighting for. Same thing, I'm like, if Harriet Tubman was in this world, like, I don't think that she'll be upset, at, but, like, she, she's going to address the people that are that are directly going against everything that she has fought for. So, it's like, those interactions, let's just have those quick interactions. She busts in, like, you see her, you know, bust in the Fox News. You see her kick down the door. Like, it's just, like, it's just those visualizations that I wanted to kind of capture 
and I think, yeah, you said moving, moving her forward through history and what we have been dealing with and just her in this world. She was, um, what, what is your opinion just on the culmination of just all of the, all of the racism throughout history and Trump's presidency? Because I think Trump, you know, he really made a lot of closeted racists feel comfortable to state their opinion much more. And I think he was a huge catalyst in all of this shit, you know, as well as just historical, mo- like, momentum. Now, I, I agree 100% because the thing about Trump, and, and this is what I always said because, you know, we, we, me and you, we live in this podcast world, right? So meaning that we're okay with opposing views. We can listen to the opposite side, and it could be a, a, it can be a, a, a constructive conversation. The thing about Trump is, like, that he removed politics from the presidency. It wasn't Democrat versus Republicans anymore. Then he just created a toxic divide. He gave a voice to the most nastiest, the the, the low-down, dirtiest, racist people, and that's what created the biggest divide within it. Because it, cause even if, like, even if you take it back to even the things, like, I know that, like, with Bush, you know, Kanye was like, oh, George, you know, George Bush don't care about black people, but there was still more political-driven. Like I said, Trump, again, even before his presidency, he was already a sketchy person. Like, the way that he interacted with women, the way that he interacted with other celebrities, like, he shouldn't have been in that seat in the first place. And that's what he did. He caused way more divide. He gave power to he gave power to people that were already in power but made them feel like you can get away with it because I'm going to have your back and we're going to do this on a racially motivated, you know, task. And, like, his his whole presidency was definitely a dark, dark part of American history because it was just like that was the worst of us. That was the worst of us. That the worst case scenario in what's seemingly supposed to be the highest seat, the highest honor that we offer, and we let that run our country. And that's why it's that's why it was so divisive and so so divided at this moment now because like every that four year run was pretty much modern day hell. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting too because it's even after Biden won the election, there was still this this sore loser mentality that came from the Trump supporters on that end, and then it culminated to then you know storming the Capitol, and then that shit was just an atrocity all around. It was disgusting because these were the same people who were opposing Black Lives Matter and peaceful protests, and mm-hmm. just like to see just to see the this the energy of it it wasn't surprising but it was very just to see the audacity of how toxic people can be yeah definitely and and again like i said that's that was just like i said that was just one of the worst times ever because it was you it, I, you didn't know what was what i mean i think the only thing and i tell people all the time the only thing that good the good that came from that is that it made more people focus on politics focus on the things that matter so it's like if you were a person who, I mean, I, granted, I'm, 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 I was one of those people. Prior to Obama running, I didn't really care that much for politics. It was like I didn't think about the president and the moves that the president was making as much as I do now. And it was, uh, it was, a, it was a combination of Barack Obama's second term, Trump and everybody going at him, then Trump going, getting into the, it was just like, okay, I need to know what these words mean, these policies mean. I need to know what these moves make. And, that's, and, I, and I've seen more and more people do so. And I think that that's, the, to me, one of the only best things that came out from this. 
is that more people pay attention to the things that matter. No longer like like generation. We like, I know like the baby boomers like the thing they always pay attention. Our generation, so you know the the Gen Xers or the millennials, we definitely didn't really care too much for politics like that because it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But now you see that. You see the Gen Xers, you see the Millennials, you see the Gen Z. You see just more people focusing on politics and, you know, trying to make make a change and play a part in it because that's the people is what make, it what matters. And we felt, we realized that we do have a voice. So, I, like, that to me was the only thing that really came good from that. Well, yeah, and political awareness is something I can say on my end. Like, I, I was really not as active in it until – you know, I mean, I was really, let's see, when Obama became president, I think, yeah, that's why I started to show more interest because it was just a changing time in the world. And I think, again, you were talking like Generation Z or or um, the newer generation, like kind of like seeing a change in the world. I think that is what sparks interest in life. And then Trump especially because, I mean, shit, Trump was, you know, this the apprentice guy. You know, like, mind you, mm-hmm. I, you know, if, you know, like, we grew up when we saw Trump, like, he was the fucking apprentice dude, and just to see the fact that people were backing him as a political leader was like, okay, really? You know, it's like, what, what are we going to do with Kardashians next? But what what even made it worse was like, yeah, like, we know this guy's background. He's mafia-related, he's racist, and he's, he's not, it, it is known now, like, he's specifically kept African-American tenants out of his buildings. Like, it, it's known, like, this kind of shit. Right. And it's, um, and like, I don't know, like the kind of monstrosities that come out of this stuff, um, it's very, it's just daunting and disappointing, but I, listening to your, listening to your music, I get this sense that you're, you're the type of dude, like you're very socially conscious in the sense you, you, you're able to articulate these situations very well. Like, like for instance, with the Harriet record and the record you sent me through your email, you're, you're really good at interpreting just deep, deep things. And I think that's the thing that artists are meant to do because listeners, you know, like, I mean, shit, like sometimes like we need to learn new, th- we need to learn new things through our artists. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of like I said, where I took my music with it, where I go back to, I say that I don't want to make music that doesn't have a meaning to it. Like I, I won't, when you listen to any song that I put out, you can take something from it, something you, whether it's perspective, whether it's uh, just like, you know, just um, a deeper meaning or an insight. I just want all my music to mean something um, no matter what I'm doing. And that's some powerful shit too. And, you know, I wanted to ask like, like what came first for you? Were you creating music before you got into podcasting or were you podcasting before you started creating music? Because for me, I was creating music, and then I got into podcasting on my end. And I wanted to ask you, like, just how, like, how did it work? How did it work? Was it vice versa? So it it was music first, and then podcasting. So the reason why I got into podcasting, and what um, I had this idea to get into podcasting, probably like when there was probably not a podcast network, and I wanted to do podcasting. But, like, um, I couldn't get any of, you know, the people that were around me to podcast. They didn't see the vision um, that I had for podcasting. So four or five years go past, and then you get the emergence of, like, the Brilliant Idiots, uh, uh, Joe Button's podcast, Tax Tone. And, like, you start seeing these podcasts pop up. 
And so I'm like, dang, man, like I had this idea and I was like, I kind of still want to do podcasts, but I was like, everybody's talking about the same thing. And I said, well, what else am I kind of passionate about? So one of the things that I realized, I said, okay, I'm passionate about, you know, music, of course, hip hop culture, but also I love like my comic books, anime, video games, things like that. And I said, man, you know, I'm, I'm watching all these other geek properties that's out there. And, like, I still watch them because, you know, it's good for the knowledge, good information, good content. But I said one, one of the things that I've always, always kind of had in the vision of my head was, like, man, I'm going to be that person that's going to bring, you know, that urban swag, the hip-hop to it because none of them talk like me, none of them look like me. And so I was, like, you know, I, I was always trying to say I'm going to be that person on their stuff. So then when I started thinking about doing my own podcast, I said, well, why not I just start the podcast for that? And that's when we came up with Geek Set. And I said, you know, I'm going to start a podcast that blends hip-hop culture and geek culture together. And, you know, it started off with, with me, Lib, and Bacardi. Lib and Bacardi, also producers for my city. I've done music with them. And I, the reason why I chose them as my co-host is because I said, knowing how podcasts work, I don't want to spend the first few episodes trying to look trying to learn each other, trying to learn each other's mannerisms, get that gel. I said, if I go, if I get these two, I already know them. We already got a rapport. It's really going to be just like us talking in the barbershop, but talking about anime, video games, comic books and stuff like that. And that's kind of where it evolved. And then we started kind of like, we just stuck with it. We started going to comic, uh, comic conventions, anime conventions. We started doing live podcasts there and the bar just kept rolling and rolling and rolling until we was like, all right, let's, let's, it went from just us doing the podcast just because to now we got a full-fledged business with it, with our merch line, with sponsorships, with um, the interviews and, you know, the relationships that we built during these comic conventions. Now it's like, okay, so now we are the official press for it. Now it's not just us going to it, buying a ticket. Now it's them reaching out to us, hey, can you guys cover this convention? You guys have all access past this, this, this guest and this guest. You guys get the exclusive interviews because they know that we're going to put together good content. And I think the only thing that slowed us down was, the, you know, when the world shut down because prior to the world shutting down, we had just did a big convention with Crunchyroll Expo, uh, with Crunchyroll at their convention, and then we were just at C2E2. So we just built really good relationships with two, like, major, major companies, and then the world had to shut down. But it was like we kind of still kept connection with them so that way when the world opens back up, we can pick up right where we left off. But the great thing about it is, is that now our name is even bigger than it was during the time when we first started it. So it's like now it's going to be like a, 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 a huge event. But, yeah, it, it started off with the music, it went to podcasting, um, and it all stems from just wanting to have a voice. They wanted to have a voice and have, and have a meeting and, and stand for something, and you know, kind of with the podcast, again, we're, we're we're removing that stigma. Everybody knows when you watch movies, TV shows, there's this, like, stereotypical geek image that they create. But I was like, there's a lot of cool motherfuckers I know that love that love anime, that love video games, that talk like us, you know. And so it was like, but that doesn't get shown, so let us show that. And now, you know, you see – there's other people in this realm that's popping off that kind of doing that same thing, like the King Vaders and the RDC Worlds and Long Beach Griffey and the Arcade Tokens. But it's, it's that collective of people that's like, no, we're not those stereotypical geeks that you've seen, those Steve Urkels and stuff. We still love the Steve Urkels, but 
yeah, yeah. There's 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 this other side of geekness that is on there that yeah, that you guys got to showcase. Yeah, no, that's really awesome too because the element I feel of mixing the geek culture with the hip hop culture is dope. Because I was listening to the podcast where you guys were talking about the Snyder Cut for Batman, I don't know, for Justice League. And I love that kind of shit because, like, the banter that you have between your friends, I could tell is very natural natural and organic. And, um, you know, it's like, I, it just it makes me think of me bullshitting with my friends, just, like, talking about whatever, like, you know, boxing, movies, right. video games. And I really just sense that energy and stuff. And, um, you know, like, and I want to ask you, too, like, what was that like when you when you um, first started going to conventions and stuff? Like, that sounds really awesome. Like, like for instance, what, a, what was it like doing a live podcast? Because that's something I've always wanted to do. But I I need to develop the fan base before I really get down to that. But like, what was that like when you when you did a live podcast? That sounds really fun. Yeah. So the live podcast actually was it was a it was a turning point for us because at that moment we didn't really know too much what we were going to do at the live podcast, right? So we we did our first official official live podcast room at this uh, convention called Wakanda Con in Chicago. It was a Black Panther theme convention, um, comic book convention, but it was also about, like, technology and stuff like that, kind of in this, like, pretty much taking the themes from Wakanda and turning it into a thing, right? So we get there, and they give us our room and everything, and we're like, okay, most of these people probably haven't heard us. This is probably within our second year of doing podcasting. So I said, here's what I don't want. I don't want the room to be silent and it's just us talking and for it to be kind of like a panel. I was like, I don't want that. And I said, let's make it an event. So we came up with the idea. We're going to have our mics on our table. We're going to set up a mic in the middle of the um, the uh, in the middle of the crowd, and then we're going to just allow the crowd to talk to us as well. So we get a, we so then I then I told my people. I said, keep the door open. So we had the doors to the convention open. We start the pod. At that time when we started it, it probably was like maybe 12, 13 people in there. So I started off as saying, hey, look, this is going to be a live podcast, but this is not one of those boring podcasts. We're going to talk to you guys. We're going to include you guys into the conversation. If you feel moved, speak out. You don't got to raise your hand. Just speak out. The mic is there, and then we'll take it from there. So we started talking about Black Panther. We started bringing up some stuff. Crowds started getting into it. Next thing you know, you know, just from the laughter and just hearing it, then you start seeing more and more people walk in, and then more and more people walk in. And I would say that the room that they gave us probably comfortably held maybe like 85 people. And we started off with 15, and at the end of our podcast, we got to maybe like 60, 64. And it was just amazing because there was just a whole bunch of people in there. We're all talking about the same topic. We're bringing up Black Panther. We're talking about the jokes in the movie. We're, we're cracking jokes on it. The crowd's tra- cracking jokes. It was just a, a, a extremely fun, fun, energetic time. And I think for us, that kind of gave us our motto on how we're going to continue to do all our live podcasts. And so that's what we continue to do is, like, when we do our live podcasts, because there's different ways. I've seen live podcasts where it's really just, the, the people talking on the podcast and then the crowd is literally just a crowd, like, you know, just, you know, you hear them laughing in the background, things like that. But I said, no, I want it to be an engaging podcast. So for us, our model is we'll do the podcast, but we have that mic there as if it's like an extra mic for the, you know, for the crowd. 
So sometimes somebody will yell out, we'll be talking about something, and somebody will yell out something, and we'll talk to them. And it, it just it becomes a thing, and it, it, it brings the crowd in. And I think that that's what works for us when that live podcast. So, I mean, the best advice that I can give you is find your niche. You know, if you're going to do a podcast where the crowd is just the crowd and, you know, they're like that, like, you know, find some way to, to make sure that that crowd feels a part of the show. Um, if you're going to do like an engaging method like we did, find some way to engage it. I don't, you know, whether it is you personally going out there with a mic and or, or you just putting that mic out there, but you, you have to find something to make that crowd in that podcast room, you know, when you're doing those live podcasts, something that's going to engage them, something that's going to entertain them. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, I really respect that approach of the, the crowd work because, um, like, making it, like, an interactive event, that just that, that lights up the room because then they get to be involved. They get to ask questions with you guys. You all get to hang out. It becomes a big hangout. And, like, that is the kind of experience that people are looking for. And I think, too, once, um, like, things ease up, like, from COVID and, uh, you know, more, more clubs open up, I think that's awesome. I mean, hell, I would love to go see one of your live shows because it's – I think the interactive thing is cool because I have seen the podcast when they're live and they're just talking, and I like it, you know. But um, that element of, like, as, you know, being an audience member, if you have that participation element, it just brings it up to a whole new level. And that leads to my question, like, do you feel like podcasting and being an MC feeds into each other? Because I feel like that experience as a whole, it makes you a better podcaster too, but it also makes you, I think, um, it even helps you as an MC because I think in both areas you develop crowd control. Yeah, I, you know what, I, I 100% agree with that because I feel like that's my, the reason where my, that idea came from me. Because I was thinking, I'm like, okay, when I'm on stage, you know, yeah, I'm performing and everything like that, like just musically. But you know, if the crowd is not standing up, they're not waving their hands. If that, if you know, if, if I can't get any callback from them, you know, it's like it, it, it. Even though it can still be a good show, it's not the type of show that I like. You know, I like those shows where the crowd is, is participating. And so I said, let me bring that to podcasting. Let me bring that to that as well. If I can get them, if I can get people in the podcast, in the audience in the podcast to be like a, a, a audience audience like that, I'm I'm 100% for that, and that's kind of like where that idea stemmed from. Yeah, and you know, like the live podcast element, like the live like in seeing element, like that's what's really dope. Because like, have you ever like thought about like maybe like doing a show where it's like almost like half podcast, half actual music, like. You know, maybe you could do, like, a musical show and then do a Q&A afterwards because, like, that's the dope thing. Like, like artists, what I love about, like, this era is I feel like artists are becoming more multifaceted where not only are we doing the music, but we also are kind of doing our own journalism in a way, you know, like, doing our own interviews, interviewing other people. Like, even this, I mean, you talking to me, like, I think that, like, you're obviously, like, very seasoned in the podcasting area. You're very good at stringing together really awesome points and like to me like to be on stage like oh I, I would be so nervous during a live podcast man you don't even know I would be like oh crap I really gotta like sh like be really fluid with my words sometimes I stumble so I, I, I like that would be like some pressure but yeah dude like the live podcasting I really tip off my hat and respect that because it's to me I that's like the equivalent of like doing stand-up or performing in, in any area you know but I mean 
like, did you, while you were in high school, did you ever do any uh, live poetry readings or anything like that? Because um, I have a few friends, you know, um, in, in, in California. My girlfriend actually specifically, she was on a poetry team. And I can't remember the school exactly, but um, did you get into poetry through that or were you just originally just writing? So I, yes and no. So we had this class or this course. It was called forensics, right? And, it, and you would think it would mean something like it would be something like forensics, like in the um, police work, but it wasn't. It was just like English majors and stuff like that. And it was just all about just like telling stories, poetry and stuff. So what I did, and <laughs> just being a typical boy, I, I noticed that that was filled with so many girls. And me and my guy was like, yo, we should join there so we can be with the girls. It was like, all right, let's do that. So we had did it. And what was funny was, so, like, I was always writing, making music, rapping, right? And then, but it was like, this is not rapping. So what I would do is I would take my raps, and then I would just, put, I would just recite them, but in a spoken word form. And so, that I, so we did that for, like, two semesters it was just like us going schools to schools to schools doing it competing and so i'm like i started writing stuff specifically for it then and i'm like all right i'm gonna do this one this one's gonna be about you know this one's gonna be about love and this one's gonna be about this and i started kind of sharpening my pen that way but it really all stemmed from just chasing girls but like it was one of those things that you like you fall into but then you secretly love because then i'm like man i'm actually good at this i actually like this it's different it's a different pace. It's one. It allowed me to write. Um, it allowed me to write outside of the constraints of a beat. You know, when you're on, when you're when you're writing on a beat uh, or writing to a beat, there's a you know you're limited to how many bars that you can put within, um, how many words you can put within a bar because of the beat constraints, right? So it's like okay, I got to put this in this line, and then I got to find something to match with this line. So when I started writing poetry and spoken word. I realized that I can have runoff sentences that still rhyme, um, but it doesn't have to rhyme. So it doesn't have to be like a ba-dum, 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 Like I can get creative with it, but still make it make sense and still make it rhyme. And that's what kind of helped me with just different flow patterns, just different styles. So like my producer that I work with, and this is where like, I um, – it kind of leads back into music. And one of the reasons why me and my producer, because I have the same producer for the majority of most of the stuff that you've heard, K-Mel. Um, K-Mel, he's a, he makes, like, really dope turn-up music, right? And I come from that era. I love to turn up. I come from that era, man, the 90s hip-hop, 2000s hip-hop. So it's like I come from that era where lyrical was still popping, but also you had, like, Nelly and Little John still popping, right? So I, I mesh kind of both of those. Because I'm like, okay, I still like that. I still want my music to knock. I still want people to be able to vibe to my music, but I want to spit a word. I want to make sure that I'm saying something. So my homegirl from the city, she told me, she said she loves listening to my music because when she hears the music, she feels like she wants to turn up. But then when she listens to the words, she is learning something. And I think that that's the good with that spoken word and stuff that I was doing. That's the, the approach that I have. He'll send me a beat that'll sound like a trap beat, and you'll think, all right, this is the this is the angle that somebody's going to take on this song. But then here I go, turning it into a concept song, and now it's like, man, this song has an even deeper meaning because now not only do I not only can I vibe to it because the music is popping, 
But also, when I listen to the words, you know, oh, uh, man, Deuces is saying some shit. And so, like, and that that stint of me doing that, those poetry slams and those, that, that said, that whole class that I was in doing that, that helped me with that because I would, I would start challenging myself. I was like, oh, I was like, I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this song and I'm going to take this theme and I'm going to make this because it wasn't just the words that we were um, in competition of in that forensics class. They would they would do it like competitions of oh this one is a theme and you got to do this theme based off of this you got to talk about you know you got to talk about a dove you got to talk about this and everything like that so it was like I was it, it allowed me to stretch my mind and it allowed me to um, get creative in that sense so now when I'm when I when I approach music I don't care what the type of beat is I don't let the beat determine the direction of the song I'm going to make. I just feel like I listen to that beat and I say, okay, this is the beat. What am I? What 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 emotions am I, am I taking from it? And then how can I flip it to make it something more smart? And that's so like it 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 came from all of that. It came from just like I said that two that two semester of that class trying to chase girls was probably one of the most important parts of my artistry. <laughs> <laughs> the motivation, hey dude, whatever got you motivated, man? Like you you showed up, right? <laughs> Yeah, hey, if those you know, you should like find the find those girls and thank them. Be like, hey, listen, you know, if you are if y'all weren't there, like, I wouldn't be as good of, of a writer as I am now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so thank y'all for being beautiful. <laughs> right. But I mean, and too, like, I think what you said, like, um, about how like you know the teachers were challenging you by saying, hey, you got to write about a dove and keep it within this theme and this premise. I think that's really dope because you probably you learn so much about yourself and you learn about songwriting structure and it forces you just um, to to tap into a different energy. Yeah, and 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 and, and that's why like I always tell people like you know it's all we always have those moments where we like we always have those moments where like you kind of like either like you 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 doubt some of the things in your past or you doubt you doubt like um, some of the um, the paths that you walk, but like if you can tap into that artistry of yourself and that energy of yourself to kind of pull from that and then create something from it, like you can you can turn that into something beautiful, right? You can turn that into something that people will vibe with because one thing that is constant that I, that I tell people all the time is that you may feel like you're the only one going through something, but I guarantee you there is a whole hive of people that will latch on to it that are, that have been through it who are going through it who know somebody else that that go, that went through it so it's like i always tell people you share you share your pains you share your you share your wins but you know but if, you know if you are in that space of artistically share it in some way it doesn't necessarily only have to be words there's some people who share it through art as far as like painting visuals there's some people who share it. like there's there's different ways to take your your past, your path, everything that you've been through, and throw it into something productive and kind of tell your story in the way that you want to because everybody has a story. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that my teachers at that moment taught me was that, like, everything has a story. If you're, you're telling me make, a, make something about an inanimate object, you know, and make, and make, make poetry from it, 
then it's like, okay, how do I do that? Well, there's a story to it. What, what's the story to it? What do you see when you see it? And it's like that it, it, helped, it helped expand my mind in so many different ways that now, like I said, I look at everything as an opportunity to draw something from it. And that's a beautiful mindset to see things because from there you, you approach life with um, a little bit more, I think a little bit more poise because you're not always anticipating uh, bad things to happen because it's like, you know, you know, as an artist, you know, you start to accept that bad things are going to happen in life and mm -hmm. it gives you this readiness in a sense. And I think that's the thing, like our artists, I feel, especially, you know, just throughout history, but nowadays, like we, it's almost like, you know, there's a clairvoyance to the shit. And I know you have it, like, you know, you know, like in your soul, like that there's a clairvoyance and, and what you do. I mean, that's why you, you did the record, and you, you put um, Harriet Tubman in the future tense. I feel like, you know, you're thinking ahead of ahead of your time. And I think all artists do in a sense, just in different ways. And, you know, like you, you and your musicality developing through uh, the poeticism, I think it's just so key. And just listening to your music, the way you find different pockets and different flow patterns, like like to the layman, like people who don't rap, people who never really rap, they they they, they just... They don't understand how hard it is to take certain words and put them over certain beats. But like when you are when you are able to take a super like complicated multi-syllable word and make it fit on a beat, maybe that it wasn't supposed to be on or like or is perceived like that. I think like that mm -hmm. is is such a gold standard, and I, I see you do it time and time again. I've heard it, and like that ability to do so, like like yeah, the poetic the poeticism is definitely there. And I mean, like, look at people like Tupac Shakur. Like Tupac had a crazy poetic background and the and the acting background, theater background. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah, and then and, right, and then like I said, and you look at the stuff that like the environment that he came from. For him to be that poetic in the stuff that he's that he's making, from his acting, from his music, and coming from the background that he is that he came from, like that is where people connect to. Same with you know, rest in heaven, DMX who just passed. The reason why DMX was so loved is that when you listen to his story and where he came from and everything that he'd been through, and then you hear the songs that he put out. Yeah, he has the aggressive songs, but that aggression comes from somewhere. But then he also has songs like Slippin'. Then he also has songs like How It's Going Down. He has songs that where people can tap into. And then you get his spiritual side because he's praying on his albums. But he's not praying in the sense of sounding like the preachers, the t stereotypical preachers. He's praying as if, like, this is what he, like, you get a sense that this is what he probably said to God in his in his moments of time speaking to his Lord and Savior. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, but you feel it. And he took his pain and turned it into a lot of amazingness. And I guess then that's where, like, it kind of goes into, like, you know, in general, just having a voice. That's why I love podcasting because it gives, it gives the unheard a voice. It gives somebody a moment to just speak and say what you feel and say, you know, have your voice being heard. And, you know, if there's somebody out there that, agrees with you or identifies with you or anything like that, now you have that. That's why we always, you know, show love to our, you know, our listeners, show love to the people who view it because it's like you saw something in what we were doing and you connected with it. And now you are part of that hive and now you are like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm with it. And to me, that's amazing because like, like I, I'm always interested in how people find us. Like that's probably the biggest question 
Anytime somebody comes like, oh, man, Geek said, yo, I love y'all, man, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. How did you find us? Because I always want to know what led people to us and how did they get to us and what made them stay. And because, you know, like I said, that's the, that's the whole thing about you being heard. That kind of is why, like, so this album that I just finished, for, like, I'm going to be putting out April 30th. Is my album called All I Ever Wanted Was an Opportunity. And the album is literally the soundtrack of my life because I tell the story of myself. And I tell people this all the time. Like, everybody who grew up in the hood or, who, who, or whatever the case may be, like, everybody's not always the hardest. So, like, everybody's not always the one carrying the gun, you know what I'm saying, always down to fight. Everybody's also not always the one that's selling the major drugs, you know, big kingpin out in the city. There's a lot of people that are in the middle who were in the hood who were cool with the guy who probably had the gun and who was cool with the big-time drug dealer on the block. But that person wasn't looked at corny because they didn't do anything. You was just somebody that was of the hood. And that's my, that's, that's my story. Like, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I dabbled in trying to sell. I wasn't about that life. You know what I'm saying? I never, I never was the one carrying that pistol around or anything like that because I was not about that life like that. But like I said I wasn't no punk. I mean, I was always, you know, if, if anybody in the hood called on me, you know, I would help out. I would like, I was there. I was their boy. I was their homie, right? So I tell that story of that. It's like, yeah, you have a lot of people who walk that line, who walk that middle line. It's kind of reminding me of kind of like Kendrick Lamar, and you know, and in one of the bars I say, I say. And I tell her, I say, niggas telling me, like, deuce, you ain't about this life for real. You should go and use your skills. Niggas listen when you talk. On this mic, niggas hear you like a pit bull when it barks. So it's like, I'm telling it about, like, yeah, people, you know, people can see that in people. You can see who about that life and who's not. And you can see who has potential and who doesn't. I mean, well, not potential, who doesn't, but who has potential in a, in a other field rather than doing this life. So it's like, I have those moments where, I try to do, I try to be something else. I try to do it. And it all stems from me just wanting an opportunity to be great. Oh, I see my homies doing this. You know what I'm saying? I want to be great like them. They get in love for doing that. I'm going to do that. But I'm not really, again, I'm, re- I'm not really about that life like that. Oh, I want to do this. So it's like just, just telling the story of me trying to find my path. And it all stems from always just all I want is an opportunity. All I ever wanted was an opportunity to be the greatest version of me and be seen as being the greatest version of me. And that's, that's what stemmed this whole album. It's a very vulnerable album. And, you know, I can't wait for the world to hear this one. And I'm very excited for it. I remember when um, I uh, got the DM about it. And, uh, yeah, like, again, like, like when the album does come out, if you – I've done this before for another artist by the name of Stevie Franks. He did a breakdown of his album. We did a, a track-by-track breakdown. So when it comes out, if you ever want to do it, track by track breakdown i'm completely game because um just talking about concepts with you listening to your music prior i just know that um you're going to be telling your life story and i think that's the thing like whenever artists delivers their life story on their album like it's always it's always good to me it's always great because you're getting 100 percent of who you are and you even being so transparent just to say like yeah like i dabbled in this i i i, I know this but i'm not that and i respect that because i think you know, there are some people, man, like, who are probably not about, like, that life, you know, and I've seen it myself where, like, they, they want to put up this front, but in reality, it's like, you know, you know, it's just like they're playing a game, but 
versus someone like you, like you've seen it, you understand it, but you just realize, like, you know, I don't want to go this direction. This isn't for me, and it's no disrespect at all. And um, just, like, the perspective of you, like, basically explaining, like, I'm just a human in a situation. And I think that there are a lot of people, like, maybe um, on the outside looking in, like, who never really understand, like, not everyone in, like, you know, a bad neighborhood is, you know, like, like the person who's a whatever, like drug dealer, prostitute, X, Y, Z, there's families, you know, there's people just trying to get by and live life. And um, like for you to like provide that perspective, again, it's like, it's so needed. And um, you bring up DMX, you know, God bless that man. So God bless DMX. Like I, you know, like I, I would not be an artist, you know, without DMX and, and what he did and, and the example he set as a performer. And, um, you know, I, I see nothing but, like, just, like, bright things for you because, like, the way you're you're doing the podcast, like, you're very direct, you're very motivated, you're ambitious. I, I don't think you could fail, bro, like, because just the way you're pushing, like, you have um you have this podcast and you have an awesome audience, and I guarantee you, too, they're going to enjoy the album because, you know, we know you as a person. Like, because when you listen to someone throughout time on a podcast, you get to know them as a person, and then mm-hmm. you, it, it's just like second nature. Like, yeah, I want to hear this album. I want to get to know them even better. So I'm excited, dude. And um, the album is called All I Ever Wanted Was an Opportunity. Yep. That's an awesome fucking title, dude. That's like one of those titles, like, as soon as you thought of it, so I got to write this shit down. Like, that's. <laughs> yeah. I had those too, yeah. man. Like, that's genius. It's definitely, and that that's definitely what it was. Like, when I started recording the album, I had no title, but I was like, but I was, I was telling these stories, and it's like I said, it all starts from telling these stories, and yeah, when I came up with that, uh, when I heard the name, I said, yeah, like that's actually what I want my name, my album title to be. And at first, I was at first I was kind of wavering because I was like, it's a long title, but then I was like, you know what? Nah, you know what? I'm not, I'm not I'm I I never did anything within the 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 confinement of what you know what normally what, what normally would be so I was like yeah I'm going to name it this because it 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 sums up exactly what everything is about and like I said you hit it right on the nail bro like with the story like and the reason why I want to tell that story is because yeah you see a lot of people put on that front because a lot of people believe they have to put on that front I said I I went through that moment where I thought I had to put on that front and it was like. You get to a point where it's like, you know what, let me just tell my truth. Let me just live in my truth, tell my truth, but tell it from my perspective. You know, let people understand why I made the decisions I made, why I tried to do what I tried to do, or, you know, why I tried to dabble in those in that world, when I, and I wasn't really about that world. But let them know, like, this is why. This is where it stems from, and this is where I'm at with it. Um, and, yeah, you know, my hopes is, you know, people connect to it. People have that respect for it. Like, damn, yeah, you know what, I know somebody that's just like that. Or, you know, somebody has that, like, yeah, you know what, that's me. You know, I've been, I'm trying to live like this because I feel like I got to to live up this image, but it's like, now nah, I don't have to. You know, I can just be me, and I, I, can, I can still be cool. I can still be around everybody. I can, I can be me and not have to put on this, frank, this, this, uh, this fakeness of trying to be somebody else that I ain't. So. Well, yeah, and the thing is, too, it's like, it's it's tough, you know, like, people got to understand, like, when you're doing what we do and when you're an artist, like, it's restraining to not be yourself. It's, like, literally, like, you know, it's when you're yourself, like, you have a much larger glass, you know what I'm saying? It's like you have a, you have a, yeah. you have a fucking, like, 
two-gallon jug, essentially, when you're yourself. But, like, when you're pretending to be something you're not, at the end of the day, it's like you have, like, a fucking little Dixie cup. It's like you don't have the same kind of momentum because you're hiding. Like, you're, you're shelving away those pieces of yourself that make you special. Yeah. And that's, and that's incredible. And, too, like, like since, like, I, I want to get on the topic a little bit, too, of, um like, the process of your recording, like, how do how do you I love to ask like about the writing part. How do you usually get into um like the mode to write and record music? Like what what is uh your what is um your uh, what are your sessions like? Do you plan them out like ahead of time, or is it like one of those things where you just feel the momentum and you're like, okay, I'm gonna book a session. I'm gonna go record in my my studio. Like how how do you do it? Well, luckily, I for this album process, I was blessed with being able to have my own studio. So what? So this is what really actually happened with this process of it. Um, one K Mel, big big shout out to K Mel man. Like he is on the grind on the production tip, and so like he always he's always creating. He's always making some you know something out right. So like he 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 overfloods me with beats, overfloods me with beats, and you know a lot of times I just like I'll vibe to it right. You know that's how I kind of get into the mood of, okay, what I'm going to write, I'm vibing to it. So in this whole COVID and with the world shut down, you know, I was still working, um, um, you know, a nine-to-five and everything. Um, with this, um, I'm working from home, so I got his music playing while I'm working from home. So when I'm working from home, I'm working from my studio, actually. So it's not necessarily working from home, but I'm working from my studio. So everything is right there. So I this and this is one of the reasons why I kind of love this album uh, a little bit more out of all out of all the music I made because I got to sit with a lot on this album, right? So like as he was sitting me stuff, I'll get an idea of maybe like just the hook or maybe just like the first four bars. So I said, you know what? I never had this luxury to be able to just record it and then come back to it. So I was recording myself pretty much for the most first part of it, and I would record it you know, come back to it, add this here, add that there, do this there, do that there. And, you know, I was just kind of piecing it together, coming up with different concepts, different schemes, different, you know, just different things. And like I said, um, at first, it was just me just kind of telling these stories. I didn't really have any direction. Um, So the opening song on my album, which is called Always Had It Hard, um, when I made that song, at that point when I made that song, um, that's when I got the idea of, yo, this should be the album of my life. This should be my life story. This should be telling what made me who I am and the things that I went through because I realized listening to all the music, I'm like, there wasn't really that much that I gave of me. Like the first album, My Unapologetic Black Thoughts, that was literally stemmed from the spoken word that you heard. I did that, and I felt like my words – they was received well, but the message that I wanted to give out, I wasn't finished saying the message, so I created the album from that. The second album of Son of a Soldier, that was a dedication to my pops, but I said, I haven't told my story yet, and I said, this is going to be my story, and then I said, but what is my story? So then I started thinking about just like the different things of my story and the, the different paths and different elements that created, you know, who Young Deuces is, and I said, okay, so I, I did that. I kind of went back, started tweaking some other things. So then as I started, was doing that, I said, okay, I got, I'm writing these, you know, verse by verse. I was, so this is the first time that I didn't write complete songs. I was writing 
I'm right. I got the hook down, and I'm living with the hook. All right, I'm writing this verse. I record that verse. Okay, I like that verse. Okay, I'm going to go into it. Record the second verse on a different day. So I pieced this album together, and then what made it beautifully because I was I was recording myself. Now I'm not an engineer in any sense, so I'm just like, ah right, man, I want this album is too good for it not to sound good. Now Lib is a, I mean, he is a credited credited engineer and producer from Milwaukee. And uh, obviously, you know, he's been doing the podcast with us, but like Liv, he kind of left the music game. He got his, he got, he got placements on TV shows and stuff like that. So he was kind of just getting, getting those residuals and those, those payments off of that. And, and he wasn't really doing music at that moment. And it was funny because a lot of people in the city was trying to get Liv back and they wasn't. But, you know, as a musician, and as you know, there's only so much that you can be around that, well, that you, that, that it'll be hard for it not to pull you back in. Because we have the studio right there and everything right there, Liv started getting back into it. He started engineering for people, started making little beats here and there and everything like that. So then he's like, just do natural conversation. He's like, you're working on the album, man. Let me engineer it. I, I want to get back into engineering, mixing, and mastering. And that was probably one of the biggest blessings ever because Liv's ear is different. Like he had his ear. He's one of those people that study and masters music production and music engineering. So it's like, and I and I trust him one hundred percent. It's funny because he, I don't think he's used to that. So he's telling me like, ah oh, man, I want to do this, man. I want to do this, and he's asking me permission. And I'm like, Liv, do it. I'm like, look here, I, it sounds good to me right now. Like the 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 mix that he gave me, it sounds good to me right now. But if you say it can be better, I trust you to do whatever you want to do to make it sound better. And every time he does that, it, gives, it, 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 it makes it more crisp and more crisp. Because technically this album was supposed to come out September um, of last year. But because Liv's ear and he wants to, we, that's why we kept pushing it back. And then what made it worse is Liv's ear and K-Mel's um, grind of me sending me, sending me beats and then me just being inspired, like, we, we had so many versions of this album done because we had one version, and then Lil was like, oh, I want to go back and mix it. I'm like, all right, well, go, go, go do your thing. And then K-Mail would send me more beats, and I'm like, ah, hey, man, he gave me this beat. I kind of want to record this. I recorded it. It turned out dope. Then we add that. Then Lil was like, ah, but I don't like this mix. So he goes back. So it was like, the longer Lil kept on pushing back a mix, the more beats K-Mail kept on sending me, the more songs I kept on writing. Because then, because then, the inspiration started flowing because it's like you take my inspiration, K-Mel's grind, Liv's dedication in his ear. It's like that creativity. We could have been doing this for the whole year. It's like just keep on re-editing, re-editing. But I told him, I said, all right, we got we to gotta cap this album. We can start working on another project. But I was like, let's cap this album because everybody was just fire, firing off on all cylinders. Um, but, yeah, so, it, so once that happened, then we started – you know, fine-tuning everything, you know, getting into the studio, doing the little extra things that make a song complete. Um, and then it was great because, like I said, Liv, you know, on the engineering process, they were like, oh, we should drop the beat here. We should do this here. Then he'll, you know, speak with K-Mel. Can you change these drums, do these drums here? K-Mel will come in with ideas. So then it became a full collaborative effort on this project of making it, like, making it sound just you know, outstanding because, you know, the words and the lyrics was like, that was my job and the themes and the concepts. And then when I would tell them the concepts, 
it'll be K-Mel and, and Liv's job to make sure that the beat matches or, like, you know, when the drops happen or whatever the case, and it kind of just made this a full cohesive album. And then one of the things that I always loved, I always loved the albums of the artist and the producer working together. So for me to be able to work with K-Mel exclusively on this album and then work with exclusively Liv on how this album is going to sound as far as quality-wise, I think that this is going to be one of my best projects that I put out. And the feedback that I've been getting to the people that I have heard, let you know, get the early listen, because I, I, I sent it out to some magazines and things like that for reviews, and the feedback that I've been getting is, has been great. Because, again, I, as an artist, you're all, you always – you don't want to give away the theme. You want people to be able to pull the theme from their listings. So as I sent the album out, I'm like, all right, you know, you're, you're always a little bit nervous. Like, are people going to get this album? Are people going to get the message that I'm trying to portray? And for the most part so far, everybody has. They're like, oh, man, I love the you know direction. I love the themes. I love what you're doing with the, the songwriting and everything like that. And it makes me feel good. Like, okay, I am accomplishing what I, want, what I set out to do. So, yeah, that's my process in full for this album. Well, and and what what the beautiful thing is is like it just seems like such a natural progression. Like you didn't force anything. It's you 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 started your album, and then as you went, you know, you, your team just kind of came together, like almost like a movie. You know, like I'm putting the team together, but it, it wasn't forced. You know, they they came together for the cause of just help, like helping to make something awesome because they saw your vision, and that's really cool too. Because like what you just talked about, like the recipe with them. Um, you, your engineer, your producer, all of y'all working together, and the fact of the matter that uh, Liv, like he was, you know, he wasn't in the game like that anymore. He wasn't even trying to do it, but but your project sparked a passion in him to make him come back into music, and I, and like that's the thing that's dope. Where it's like, you know, there's a lot of like awesome energy that had that must have been put into the album, and that's why I want to hear it, and I think that the people are excited because. You know, nowadays, it's like, you know, when you look at credits for ma- major label projects, a certain artists, like, they have 90 million songwriters, and some of that is due to samples and shit like that, but most of the time, it's like, wow, like, it goes through such an assembly line process versus, you know, a collaborative, you know, three friends sitting together, let's do something awesome kind of process, and that's why right. I think, like, this project is for sure going to be really dope. Well, I, and it kind of goes back to also the way I approach with the podcast and building the podcast team and us elevating there. So I'm, uh, I, I, I often tell like video directors, photographers that I'm going to be your best client because I may hire you because I like what I've seen that you've done. But I, if I hire you for photography or video, I still going to let you do your job. I want you to put me in your world on what you do, right? So oftentimes you hear where people, like, they try to direct. They try to, like, you know, like, like they try to tell the, the the videographer what to do, and it's like, this is the professional. So when it came down to the album and everything, I give them that trust. I tell them, like, this is my idea. This is my vision. What do you think? And then I let him do his thing. And then he'll, you know, I'm like, look, I trust you. If you say that the highs are too highs and the lows are too lows and you got to even it out, you want to pan this out this way, Go ahead and do it because I trust you for that. And I think that that's where you get that best response. So even with the podcast, as we started turning it to um, a business, the thing that I know is, like, if when, you let, when, you, when you find somebody that's passionate about something, 
they'll do the extra work without you having to ask them. So, like, me, case in sense, I, when I am invested in something, I'm all about, like, the marketing, promotion, all, you know, the, the online image and things like that, right? So one of the things that I did with the Geek Set Podcast, and this is free game. I'll give it to anybody, and I think that, you know, you start looking into it. What I did was I typed in, like, you know, Black Geek or King Vader, and I looked up any article, any website that reported on them. And then I looked at who wrote that article. Then I went and I searched and I found their emails. Then I sent them a pitch. Hey, I want to let you know I'm Young Deuces from the Geek Set Podcast. I found you based off of this article, blah, blah, blah. I think that we got an article, we got a podcast that's going to interest you, stuff like that, and, you know, and did that. And I, 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 I'll, there'll be hours a day, certain days where I'm on the, I'm on the internet searching, doing that, just different avenues to reach different people to introduce them to who I am. Now, nobody on the podcast told me to do that. Nobody encouraged me to do that, but I did that because that's what I'm passionate about, right? Bacardi on our on our podcast, he's passionate about merch, you know. So it's like he handles all our merch sales and everything, how our shop looks and everything like that. The extra added promos that you see, anything dealing with merch and everything like that, that's all him. I don't got to ask him to do it. I don't got to tell him to do it. We don't got to like, – it's just what he does. Bitch, he's really, really into the video production. Live is into the audio quality. I say all this to say is that – when you are building your team, if you find out that somebody's passionate about something, encourage them to, to say, this is, your, this is your thing. This is your job. You can handle this. You can run this. You don't got to check in with me. I trust you to do the, what's best for that avenue of it. And you'll get the best out of those people all the time. So, like, one of the easiest things I tell people uh, where I hear, somebody, people always say, man, you know, I'm not, I don't be on social media like that. I'm like, well, do you know somebody that's on Facebook all the time? Somebody's on Instagram all the time that 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 that, that believes in, in what you're doing. If so, bring them a part of your team. Tell them, hey, can you run my Instagram page? Because then what they'll do is, yeah, they'll run it. So then the little extra stuff you you you're posting, you know, your podcast out here, and they may because they're on Instagram or something or or Twitter all the day or Facebook all the day. They're like, oh, you know what I should do? I should rip the audio, make something, and then make it on make make a, a post for it. You you probably wasn't even thinking about that. One day you just, you're scrolling, you see your post. You're like, oh, who did that? Oh, I didn't even know they did that. They didn't ask you about it because you empowered them. And because that's to them, that's nothing. To them, that's just a simple, let me just do this real quick, put it up there. To you, you know, because if you don't do it all the time, you may be like, ah, oh, man, I got to download this app. I got to do this. I got to edit this. So it's like find people that are passionate about certain things, put them on your team, and then encourage them, like, hey, let them run it. You can run this aspect of it. You're going to get the best out of it. And I think that that's what I said with my album, How I Win It. I trust Lib. I trust K-Mail. And I get the best out of them because they don't feel micromanaged or they don't feel like they got to let me know something or anything like that. Let's do it. And then we talk about it. If, you know, if, we, if I don't like it, I'm like, ah, let's, I like the other one that you did or whatever like that. But for the most part, yeah, I, I let people – run the aspects that they're masters in because they did the work, they did the time to master it. So let me let you flourish. And that and that right there, like everything you explained, like that's what being a leader is. It's, you know, pretty much like being able to figure out, okay, what is this person like what is this person's role 
and uh, what is the conditioning that makes them do it at their best. And uh, I think, like, you just saying, like, okay, like, letting them do what, what, what makes them happy, like, they're passionate about, like, your example about the videographer. I mean, even, like, you know, um, like, when artists, like, you know, to give videographers, I feel like maybe um, there are points where it's, like, our ego can be like, oh, well, I want this and that, but... I remember, like, when I first, like, met with the videographer, I'm like, wow, like, it was so humbling and it threw me off so much because I was just so used to, like, you know, having friends film my videos, whatever, that it's just, like, for me, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to hop in the backseat, let them do their thing. And, you know, they know my vision, they know my ideas, and I'm going to let them execute to the highest of their ability. And you bringing up um, just the, the team and the podcast, I feel like that's the thing, like, you know, like putting together a podcast, it's a lot of work, you know, from the edit, the editing of the audio to the video, especially editing video, you know, I mean, I know that you know about it, but I mean, I'm not a great video editor, but people who really video edit, that stuff is so difficult. So my hat goes mm-hmm. off and I, I commit anybody who does that because putting together a podcast of any caliber, it does take an element of focus, but when you're like, but in the moment right now, like what we're doing, us talking, like this is like the, the easiest part of it because it's just us interacting. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's and, the and, thing. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's just, like the, the easiest part is the, is getting the content. So the hardest part is what are you going to do with that content? <laughs> dude yeah and that's the thing you know like that's like the best way to put it because like for me like yeah i'm not like this crossroads where like yeah like i i know i have the content but my marketing is something i definitely got to work on and i appreciate you putting that kind of game and knowledge out there and that's something i'm i'm going to look into and a big piece of why i do the podcast is because on all ends i mean i'm really a student of the game and i love to learn from people and you know like i mean i'm i'm really like i started podcasting you know i think I want to say like late 2017, November 2017, and it's been a journey for me because I remember when I first started doing it, and I'm like, how those, like, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to structure this and X, Y, Z? But um, just talking to people, I've been able to really learn a lot, you know. And talking to you, learning about like the process of how you create your album, it really um, I think too, there are people listening who are going to listen to this, like artists and rappers, and they're going to be really taking notes and thinking, okay, this is how I put together a team correctly because you're you're putting the example out there and you're not making excuses. You're not complaining and saying, oh, well, no one's doing this for me. You're going out there and you're making the opportunity. And I think that's a good example that you're setting for you and your team. Yeah. Now, and, and that's one of the things that I'll also with getting in podcasts in general, um, as you say, I, I'm a student of the game as well. These are these are things that I had to learn. I'm never going to be the one that's going to gatekeep the knowledge. I'm always about sharing that knowledge, sharing these jewels, sharing these gems because, you know, like, why? I I I, just, I never I never understood that thought process of gatekeeping the information. If you have it, if you have that knowledge, you can help somebody. Why not help somebody? You know, you know, because the reward is even stronger when the more people that you can help. In my eyes, I often say I'm going to get. I'll help people without without expecting anything in return. Because you know, if if I rock with you, I get joy out of seeing seeing you you flourish. And I'm I genuinely like to see people flourish. Like you know, I get I get fully invested in people. Um, so it's like yeah, if I have anything to to offer to anybody. 
you know, even if it's just me giving, if I give somebody the, the knowledge or the, uh, the info and then they take it and run with it and they get successful with it, I'm not looking for the kickback or the recognition because to me, I'm I, once I see that, I'm like, dang, that's dope. Like they did that, you know what I'm saying? And like to me, that's where I get that joy from. But it's like the universe throws that back too. I say, you know, no matter what the case, if, when, if you do things with 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 without ill intentions, great things come back to you. It may not be in the form of what you're looking for, but things can always be traced back into something dope. And it could be traced back into an action that you did or, or you know, a small gesture that you did. I, I truly do believe in that a lot. So, I, I agree a thousand percent because, like, you know, what you put in is what you get out of life, you know, um, and karma is real. And, and in all forms, like the energy you put out, I think you doing the podcast is great because it's an outlet, you know, for people, like, again, like who may be, like, feel like oh wow you know like i like people judge me if i tell them i I like comic books i like this and this and that and and like but it's weird because then you know godzilla has a crazy great opening weekend because at the end of the day everyone on the inside we're all like we we all love that that stuff we all love comic books we all love to have fun and and hip-hop has taken over the world and i think it's just awesome to be in a in an era where it's like shit we can build content build businesses build just build you know um like really communities off of stuff that we love and like that's why right. i i love doing this and like i'm I'm grateful because it's like fuck like you know like if i was born like 30 years ago I, this option wouldn't have been given to me i would have to try to get into radio and radio is full of a bunch of compromise and shit and what's dope about podcast is you don't have to compromise when you put together your show you know, the last thing you wanted to do was probably, um, like, you know, compromise who you are or compromise your ideas. But you, you may be like, you know, of course, you know, when you're putting together a show, you might compromise compromise business-wise. But mm-hmm. as far as your content, I could tell you're full steam ahead, and I know that you're pushing you're pushing who you are. And I think that's the right way to do it, you know. And, and you know, in some senses, I, I don't want to say there's a wrong way to do it because that's a path. But, um, you know, I, I do think what you're doing, being genuine to yourself, is the most pure and, like, right, righteous way to, like, move about it. No, thanks. No, I appreciate that. Uh, most definitely, man. Most definitely. Because, I mean, shit, like, I actually want to ask you, have you had the chance to see the new Godzilla King Kong movie? Yeah, definitely. Definitely did. Dude, yeah, I, I wanted to ask your opinion. What do you think of it? So me, I liked it. I mean, I've been liking the monster, uh, the Titan verse or monster verse. I'm not for sure what they calling it, but <laughs> but uh, I liked uh, like Godzilla, King of the Monsters, um, Kong. Both of those I like. Um, the only uh, my, my only gripes with it is always is that like with those, I don't really too much care for the human aspect of it. So I felt like like they like that side mission that we got with. Um, Millie Bobby Brown and the other guy and everything like that. Like, oh, we don't really, we didn't really need too much of it. But um, I mean, but I, I did, I did enjoy the action of it and everything. I mean, I was still rooting for Kong. I feel like Kong got slighted. Uh, oh, me but, too, dude. Yeah. I went on a rant. He got so fucking slighted. Sorry. No, no, I with you on that. Listen, Kong was doped up in the first bite, so you can't really use the first bite because he was doped up and he was on the water. So in his second fight, he won. Third fight, he did get overpowered. But I was like, yeah, I mean, they, I feel like they did Mechagodzilla really dope because, like, especially when you think about the Mechagodzilla that we used to get, this Mechagodzilla looked amazing. 
Oh, dude, Mechagodzilla. I actually was impressed. And you know what? It kind of made me think at some point, like, they should do a spinoff with Pacific Rim because uh, it kind of fits into that kaiju idea. Like, you know, you have um, the Earth splitting. There's, like, a planet within the Earth. I thought I thought that was a really cool concept, too. Like, that was something yeah. I liked. And I agree with you. It was more so, like, the human end. Uh, like, even Skarsgård and the, what is it, that one chick with the, the what is it, with um, the daughter who was deaf. I really didn't like her. I thought she was super, like, yeah. unlikable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hella unlikable. You know, right. because she's been studying Kong for 10 years, but she didn't know that, like, you know, like, she never approached him in any way with sign language. And she's been studying mm-hmm. him for a decade. Like, what? Like, that was crazy to me, but oh, yeah. spoiler alert for some of the listeners. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, <laughs> spoiler alert. But dude, the mech, the mecha Godzilla, dude. Oh my god, like I was like, I'm, I was so happy they did, they did that though. Like, and then the yeah. concept of like the ancient energy, like that shit was wild. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it was. It, 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 it um. I thought it. I thought it was good, and it's like if if they go the route of like how the old school movies, like we'll, we'll get another Godzilla versus Kong at some point, because like if they they constantly fight, it's a constant thing between them. <laughs> oh, dude, it has to be a constant rivalry, like you know, because yeah. they, and too like again, like my yeah, I do feel like they did Kong dirty because it's I I feel like they tried to metaphorically make him represent humanity, you know, well we get knocked down, get back up and I get that but ah, in, yep. in Godzilla is, is the cold blooded reptile, you know, who doesn't give a shit and just straight up Godzilla was an asshole the whole movie, I'm not gonna lie. He was he an was. asshole. He like, was. <laughs> fuck. Even towards the end after like, you know, him and Godzilla like, you know, whatever worked you know, him and King Kong work together, like he's still staring down Kong like he wants to fight. It's like dude, like Right. It's like give me a break, man. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, Kong couldn't catch a break in the whole movie and, and they just gave him an axe. Right. It's fucked up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but like I, I definitely had a great time with the movie. I, I watched it on my birthday on uh, HBO Max and shit. My sister, my sister gave me her password, so I was like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. And um, I, I gotta say, I, I enjoyed the movie and stuff. And um, I, I know, like, uh, I know I didn't see the second Godzilla movie, the King of Monsters one, and missed out on that one, unfortunately. But I really like yeah. this one, and um, yeah, no, I, I, I sit, I sit in agreement with you. I thought the fights were pretty badass. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. You get a chance to watch the King of Monsters, man. Because, like, I mean, Kong is still, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Godzilla is still Godzilla. So Godzilla definitely still was out here, you know what I'm saying, putting in work and everything like that. So, yeah, definitely you get a chance to watch that, too. Oh, hell yeah. And, uh, I, and too, like, you know, um, doing the Geek Set podcast, like, has that encouraged you? Like, for me, like, lately I've been getting back into reading comic books. Uh, like for the podcast, like that, did, does that like give you room, like to like have to like research more and like get more comic books? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I, I often introduce people to this YouTube channel called Comic Storian, um, because if you, um, especially in the in this podcast world, if you're so you know if you're indulged in the podcast world and like you don't have time to sit down and read Comic Storian, he dramatically reads comic books. And so he'll read the panels, but he'll dramatically does it. He throws, he does the voice acting and everything like that. 
So it's really dope because, like, they show the panels and you get the voices. So you can listen, pretty much listen to the podcast. And he breaks them down. He does them, you know, each issue and stuff like that. So, like, that actually helped me get back in the comics as well because I would listen to his YouTube channel. And he'll go over a full comic book run. And he'll do, you know, Deadpool. He'll do the X-Men run. He'll, he'll do specific runs. And then if you get back into it, so then it's like, oh, yeah, I got to buy that one. I got to get that one. And, like, it's, it's real dope. But yeah, the, it, it definitely made me get uh, get back and more into uh, comic books with the podcast. Yeah, I, I've actually uh, seen the comic story and page. I'm, I'm a big fan of it, and um, I do like the element too. Because yeah, like for me, I'm not always able to sit down and read. You know, I I work five mm-hmm. days a week. You know, I do this music and then other hobbies and shit in between. So I do like the comic story and stuff because like I do like to get down to the nitty gritty details and. One of my favorite comic books that uh, came out in recent time was the DC Universe Metal with the the, the, yeah. the Batman that last. Yeah. That's that's the one. That mm-hmm. shit was crazy. Yeah, no, that yeah, that was that that Batman went last before he became super super famous. When I read that one, I I knew it because I was like, yeah, he's so dope. And then like um, also Red Death was my uh, was my other favorite just because how he was created with Batman strapping Barry Allen to the front of the car and driving into the speed force. I thought that was like psycho. So yeah, no, yeah, the, the DC Metal is one of my favorites as well. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like the Elseworld stories, like you get a room, you have room to do some crazy shit, and you don't really fuck up the storyline or the timeline of the main one. And that's what's mm-hmm. cool. Like, I want to see more Elseworlds stories, more crossovers, just more crazy shit in comic books because, I mean, we're in an era where it's like it's crossover frenzy. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And because we, we often joke about it on the podcast, like right now, if you are doing a movie that is not based off of a graphic novel or a comic book or it doesn't have hip-hop elements in it, a lot of the time your movie is not going to be successful. So it's like I was. We often joke like our podcast is perfect for it because we take the two most popping things in pop culture right now and we put it into our podcast. <laughs> yeah, and and what's so dope is like I feel like just even like for most dudes, it's like it, it dominates so much of our conversation. Like you know, like like you know, like barbershop conversation. It's like consists mm-hmm. of movies and music. And this hip hop in general, yeah, it's it's taken over the whole entire world. Where I remember even I was talking to my girl, like we were watching TV, and I noticed that every commercial in some form, like they were using like like trap style beats, like they were using different or boom bap, they were using hip hop elements, and I, I just found it really interesting because like I just remember years ago when, like you know, it was very it was very it would be very selective like which rappers would be used to endorse things or it would be very i don't know much more closed off but now you see like the frenzy of it and how these companies are just doing whatever whatever they can to get a hold of it it's really strange yeah it it is it's it's strange but it's like it's but it's still it it comes down to like like everything shifted as well as like everything that was like that was geek culture or everything that 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 was um you know that was considered a nerd or anything like that. Now that's popping. Now you got the people. Now then you got people gatekeeping it now. Like it's a it's a funny world that we're living in right now. Oh yeah, it is because it's it is a sense of like you know um, I do think like it, it is a thing where like I, I I do think that there are plenty of people who are genuine. And I'm not even like talking about like the fans like you know like people who are new to something. Like hey, if you're new to it, more power to you. Like if you love it, that, that's awesome. awesome. 
it's, it just it, it just bothers me. It's like when there are companies like that, you know, it's like y'all are just like, yeah, this is it doesn't make sense. Like whenever I see um, what is it, Nike or uh, EA Sports? Like if, if when they they when they do certain things, it's just I just don't trust mm-hmm. them. It just it just has like a. Yeah. It just oh, has yeah. a catch to it, you know what I mean? And like, but like versus like when your team does something, it's like there's a, genu- a genuineness to it because it's y'all are about like the music world, the comic world, uh, entertainment industry as a whole. Like, it's such a vast landscape. If companies were smart, they would when if they're going to because like companies are going to company like no matter what they're going to do it. If they were smart, they would make sure that they're pulling in the people of the culture. As you know, as like a, as like a, you know, the representatives of it, you know. So like, when the company does it, and it's just the company, yeah, it looks fugazi. But if the company does it, and let's say, if, you know, the company does it, and they grab King Vader on this, that's why Netflix is winning. Like they grab, like King Vader been doing his videos all this time that he's been doing it. Netflix pulled him on and said, "We want you to do the same thing that you've been doing, but do it with our our properties, stuff that Netflix owns." So now it doesn't look like Netflix is just being culture vultures. They're like, oh, man, they grabbed somebody of the culture, gave that person the opportunity to do their, their thing, and they're not stepping on his creativity. We rock with that. That's the smart way to do it. But if, like, yeah, if Nike just comes out with it, like, oh, here go the Nike uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z shoes, but there's nobody of the culture with them on it, it's like, okay, you guys are just jumping on the wave. You're not even bringing somebody to be, like, your liaison to bring it on, and that's what they, if companies were smart, that's what they would do more often. Well, very true. Like you just saying that, like yeah, just bring bring on people who know it. That way, it isn't disrespected, you know. Because like that's like yeah. the ideal that we're all coming from. Where even hell, like just um in in the comic book world, like so many times in movies, you see people drastically overlook um just storylines and characters and stuff and i think that's why it's like certain people have issues like with them like for instance the original justice league and shit like a lot of people didn't like it and now snyder now they're releasing the snyder cut now we're going to get to see the other perspective on it and really get to see how the movie was supposed to be in his eyes and i do think I, i think that like yeah like that's why these companies like they need to be more willing to be like, well, like, listen, we need to get some outside perspective outside of a focus group. We need to get people who yeah. are really in this shit, like, in the hip-hop world, in, in mm-hmm. XYZ, you know? And yeah. I, I want to ask you, too, like, like, if you could work with any three producers, who would they be? So my favorite, favorite producer of all time um, that I want to is DJ Premier. DJ Premier. I love everything Premier puts out. He's been kind of one of my favorite producers. Um, I would love to work with Just Blaze. Um, I just like feel his like creativity with the soul and everything like that. Like it speaks to me. And then um, Ninth Wonder. Ninth Wonder is also somebody else that I really really look up to uh, with the the music that they create and just kind of like everything that he's involved with. That's a really good list because you have like Premier and Ninth, like who to me, like like those two alone, like are just so so freaking um, what is it, prolific? And I'm sorry, and the second yeah. producer you mentioned was I'm blanking a little just bit. Blaze. Just, just Blaze, just yeah, just Blaze. I can't believe, yeah, just fucking Blaze. Honestly, I think there are points where I'm, I think he's underrated in the, a few departments because I think he he has some of the best sampling chops, and I think he is incredible at drops and his drums in general are really fucking sleek. 
Just Blaze, I always tell people that this is how I kind of categorize it. It's like Just Blaze is the popular version of Ninth and Premier. Like, he's the household name because, like, everybody knows Just Blaze because of how much he worked with, like, you know, Dipset and Hove and everything like that. And even though Premier has worked with a whole bunch of legends and everything, Just is just his, his name is a little bit more, like, recognizable in that sense. It's a, more, it's a little bit more mainstream because, remember, he also did, like, he did the stuff with EA Sports for NBA Streets and stuff like that. So he has a name like that. But, like, that same, the same essence that you get from Premier, that you get from Ninth, that you get from Havis, like, just in general, he still he, – he comes from that. And he makes that type of – that style with his samples and everything, too. So it was like, yeah, like, that's why – like, Just is definitely a, a underrated person. Well, Just Blaze, I remember just watching – I think it was a – what is it called? I think Mass Appeal does it when they blindfold producers yeah. and pick records. Uh, Rhythm Roulette, I was watching him on it, and, um, like, just the way he was able to to describe the music, it was just in a way mm-hmm. I, that I've never heard anyone talk about it. And Ninth Wonder and DJ Premier in their own rights, like Ninth Wonder, like uh, I've so much amazing like footage of him. Like he is one of the most knowledgeable producers out there. And oh, I yeah. think just watching him touch an NPC, like like just organize and orchestrate is like one of the crazy some of the craziest shit. Yeah. Yeah. And plus Rhapsody, the career of Rhapsody has been wonderful. Oh man. It's been amazing. Rhapsody's so cold. She's so dope. Yeah, I th- I think Rhapsody, honestly, man, like that's one person. Like, if if you have like, let's see, if you could work with, just, you could name as many rappers as you want. If you could work with anybody, um, any generation, dead or alive, who would they be? So obviously, uh, Hove is one of my favorite. I would love to work with Hove. Cole, pretty much anybody on that Dreamville camp or TDE camp, I would love to work with because they over there doing some great work. I love uh, Griselda. Working with um, working with Griselda would be super dope because I like like the essence of the hip hop. What they bring is like that. It's like that. Is that it's that old school grimy hip hop again? Um, but again, like I said, I'm a I'm a student of the game of all facets and stuff like that, right? So like even though like I said, I'm naming like a lot of these lyricists and stuff like that, I would I would I would I would love to work with a you know uh, a Jeezy or or you know saying the Ti because it's like their era in the music that they make, I still rock with. And one of the things that I love, um, I was just listening to that Moneybag Yo and J. Cole song. And these are two artists that you don't normally think would be associated with each other, but that song is um, it's super dope, right? And I, and that's what I would love to do. I would love to be on the track with somebody that you're like, damn, yo, I wouldn't expect them to do that type of song. Um, or I would expect to see these two names together, and then we come out with something dope. But even on the R&B tip, well, no, outside of that too, Chica. Chica is super dope to me. I would love to work with her as well. But, like, I would love to, like, like you know, the Ari Lennoxes, the Summer Walkers, the, you know, just, like, those the, the socialist people, you know, I would love to do that. One of my, my what, if I was, if I had unlimited access to anybody, um, I would love to do a Mary J. Blige record. I think every song that she does, when she's like working with an artist, I feel like it's just an amazing moment. It's always songs that mean something. It's always songs that stand out. Um, and yeah, I would love to create something like that with something with like, like a Mary J. Blige, somebody with a dope voice. 
um, to just create some stuff that means stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, she's a feature killer, and on top of that, like, her own discography speaks for herself. Like, when she came out yeah. with uh, What's the 411 as her debut, like, like that mm-hmm. kind of artistry and shit. Like, I'm happy you mentioned Mary J. Blige because I think that's a that's a person, like, in, the, in their field who doesn't get enough flowers, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and you and Jeezy would be a dope fucking record, Young Jeezy, J. Cole, um, and, that, and that record, Money Bag, Yo record, like, you know, it's funny, like, you're bringing up artists and songs, like, I've been try- I've actually been shuffling through my playlist lately. Like you mentioned Wale earlier, mentioned Money yep. Bag Yo, Jeezy, um, all this stuff. Like, and you know, you know what's actually crazy? Like I'm not like because I said Young, you said Jeezy, and it reminds me of G Easy. As of recent, G Easy's management got caught um, buying streams for G Easy. I wanted Aww. to ask, I wanted to ask your opinion on that. Like, like because I feel like it's it's very it's. It's like steroids, you know. It's like it's like the distribution. It's it's an unfair distribution. It is. So here's where I'm at with my music now, and I and I, I GEZ. I mean, I guess I get where his manager's coming from, but it's like yeah, it's like steroids. So I played the game. I definitely did try to um, like you know make the radio record, do this stuff like that, right? And this is where where I draw direct influence from now. Tech Nine right now is one of my biggest influences. And the reason for it is Tech Nine is not the mainstream artist. Yeah, he sells out every year. Concerts packed every year. He is making music solely towards his fan base. He's not trying to branch out. Now his fan base does build, but he's focusing on his fan base and he is excelling at a high rate. And he's been doing it for years. He got his whole own factory. He does his own merch. He ships out. He has three semi trucks that moves his merch across, and he got two tour vans and uh, two tour buses and like vans wrapped. And he got his whole strange music facility. That is what I want to be. I got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm not doing this to. I've never been doing this. Like I mean, yeah, there was a point where, but I was like, I'm at a point where I, I'm not doing this to be just just the biggest. I'm not doing this just for the money. You know what? I'm, I have a genuine love for making music. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to focus on my fan base, and that's going to build, and it's going to build, and it's build, and, and that's what I make that music for. So the streams, I'm not necessarily looking for the streams. I'm looking for the connection, what people are saying. Yes, if the streams come, I'm going to, be, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to be excited about it, but I'm not looking for it because once you start looking for it, then you get that high. And then you start doing whatever it takes to get that high and get get you know get that and that's like Jeezy had a huge success, huge success. And then with the, when things started changing and streaming, if there's a dip in it, yeah, there's people that are going to panic like, oh man, we're not doing it, and people are going to make decisions like buying streams to get those numbers back up to what they were before. And you know, so it's like I get why his manager potentially did it. But, like, I feel like you, that's when you got to invest in grassroots. G-Eazy actually has a core fan base where he doesn't necessarily have to do that. He can focus on his fan base. However, if you are focusing on those streams and not focusing on just grassroots fan base, then, yeah, you're going to get caught into that. Well, true. And, and what you just said, too, like, I, I feel like, like what can be discouraging is like you know artists coming up they like they see that they think they don't have a chance, 
And my other thing was, if G Easy is doing it, like how many other artists are doing different shows? And mm-hmm. that's the thing where it's like, like that's why I didn't. I did a podcast about it, and I didn't try to be so critical on like right. the management as a whole and um, the man and G Easy and all that. I didn't want to be as critical on them. But my my thing is, I'm trying to be critical on the system because it's the system that breeds the behavior. If you really yeah, think it, about it, 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 you know, it's the business that breeds the behavior. And, yeah, um, it's, it's one. It's 100% the, the system that influences it because if the system celebrated more of their grassroots and more of the people who got it out the mud like that, then you wouldn't have so many people desiring to be that top stream. If the playlist didn't only focus on the top stream and they focused on just good music, you wouldn't have so many focused on trying to get those numbers up. It is 100% the system that's in place for that. Well, that makes a lot of sense, too, because basically, like, there are a lot of, like, just entrapments that can just happen in this in the music game as a whole. And that's why I'm happy to have you on because like, you're really good at pointing out from different perspectives because, you know, I mean, I've talked to people about it and they kind of have, like, super, you know, directive, like, I ah, will fuck them. I mean, I see that point, too, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't agree or, nor condone the behavior, but it's also a gray area. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, I love to pick everyone's brain about it. And, um, you know, I've just been super thankful that you've come on the show and, and you've had this conversation with me. We're uh, pushing, we're going to be pushing two hours. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing with the Geek Set podcast, your music. And uh, when your album does, when your album, all I've ever wanted is an opportunity comes out, you know, I'll make sure to peep it, listen to it. And maybe we could plan a breakdown. You know, I'd lo- I'd love to have you come back on my show. I'd love to come on your show eventually. Um, you know, and I'm I'm happy you mentioned tech because again, you're mentioning people, in my opinion, that like are really underrated in what they do. They are specialists. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And yeah, no, I'll we'll let you know, man. I'd be more than happy to come back and do a breakdown with you, man. Thank you. No, no, most definitely. Thank you. And, um, yeah, and I, before you go, I just want to ask you if you uh, have any, um, you know, any final statements you want to make or uh, any shout-outs you want to do. And uh, feel free just to plug <clears throat> plug your social mm-hmm. media page and let the people know where they can find you. All right. Well, first, final thing, if, if you took anything from this whole podcast, it's just, man, be comfortable in just being you, telling your truth. You may think or you may feel like nobody can connect to your story or nobody's hearing your voice, but I guarantee you there's people that are out there that will connect and they will find you. Your hive will find you. So don't give up, man. Don't rush the process. Just be you, be genuine, and when your time comes, it's going to come. Um, um, shout out to everybody, too, that's listening. Shout out to everybody that if you if you listen to this point and you're like, man, I want to follow Young Deuces, Man, follow me at uh, Young underscore Deuces on all platforms. Um, you can uh, follow Geekset Podcast uh, us on all fa- platforms. Again, the Geekset Podcast is the only podcast that blends hip hop culture and geek culture together. It was inspired by you know just true true conversations of the black geek and um, you know one of the things that grab a lot of people with our logo is it, it looks like the Dipset logo, but it's you know it's geekified so stuff like that. And then, yeah, man, shout out to just, you know, your whole listenership, man. Thank you for allowing me to be on your platform, bro. Oh, no, dude, thank you. Uh, like, I, like I said, I feel like, you know, um, whenever anyone comes on my show, it's it's definitely awesome because it's um 
a learning opportunity on my end. And, you, you know, like just checking out your music, I just became a fan, you know. And my thing is I want to talk to people who, you know, I, I enjoy hanging – I mean, I enjoy hanging out with. I enjoy – you know, I enjoy the content, and um, I just knew we'd have a great conversation. You know, even listening to the Geek Set podcast, um, just getting the energy, getting the vibe, I, I just had a feeling me and you, like, thought a lot alike. You know, we're into a lot of the same things, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just thankful that you, you wanted to come on my show. I'm still developing everything in these years, but uh, like I said, I just got out to L.A., and I'm feeling really inspired. You know, I'm trying to push the, the envelope, get things set up, you know, get a get a studio, uh, get a set up my office a little bit differently, and um, yeah, all around just upgrade. And uh, I, I see what you're doing, and it's just super inspiring. And I feel like you've come on, and you've inspired a lot of other people, and you've inspired a lot of listeners today. So I thank you, man. All right, thank you as well, bro. Hell yeah. And uh, let's see. Da, da, da. And um, yeah, like I said, just feel free. Like whenever your album drops, I'll take a listen. If you want to come on again, we'll do a breakdown. And, um, yeah, hell yeah, at some point I'd love to come on the Geek Set show and just, you know, shoot the shit with you and the guys and stuff. It seems like a fun time. Oh, yeah, then we're definitely going to make it happen. Like I said, uh, we've been trying to figure out different ways we can bring people on. So, yeah, i definitely keep you in mind. Hell yeah. Hey, thank you, Young Deuces. All right, people, this has been Young Deuces. We've had a great time talking. Hey, thank you, and uh, have an incredible day, man. I appreciate you giving me giving me some of your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. All right, everybody, that was the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, big thank you to Young Deuces for coming on the show. I really appreciate every moment that we shared. It was it was a great, great, awesome conversation. As far as the listeners, I hope you enjoyed everything. And um, yeah, expect more bigger things. I'm looking into podcast studios and I'm planning on setting up some appointments next month to go check it out. And um, yeah, just expect all around higher grade video quality, audio quality, everything is changing up and I might even start doing uh breakdowns with maybe an animation I don't know I'm still thinking things through but anyway uh and by the way announcement chasehill.net is currently up um it's it has one page at the moment I know it doesn't have the blog and the shop quite yet I'm working on getting everything set up my goal is to I'm gonna put all my music up there within the month and and yeah like I, I have the basic website set for chasehill.net expect chase talks hiphop.net to be coming as well but um yeah that's it as far as announcements now i'm gonna play a record by young deuces titled no mercy anyway once again i appreciate everybody this song is so fucking awesome you're gonna enjoy this and yeah make sure to go check out all of young deuces content check out my content my album and don't forget all i've ever wanted is an opportunity drops april 30th by young deuces don't sleep people thank you Just trying to right my wrongs I'm overwhelmed by these emotions So you know I'm sipping potions When I write these songs Take a seat cause shit it might be long From night to dawn You know perspectives get influenced By the vices on I know at times it seems I might be strong But look I'm flawed Insecurities and self-doubt I'm trying to fight it all You see it's hard to make a change Whenever pride's involved Gotta be a man So a nigga never cry at all That's bullshit society Gonna try to break a nigga Toxic gonna kill the love The law be trying to take a nigga Adversities what's gonna shape me nigga That's some gang You ask Bergy Streets I promise he gonna stay the same Trying to get love From the people who never see the vision My heart told me it was dead But shit I barely listen Support means like everything To niggas chasing dreams So when you go against the drive You go against the team I've been reaching high I want everything I've been staying down I've been on the sink yeah. All I 
God is my team and they there when I need to Lean on them for anything I've been reaching high, I want everything I've been staying down, I've been on the scene, yeah I work hard for the cream and it's falling on me Cause you know that I got bigger dreams Show no mercy, just how it be, yeah, yeah. Show no mercy when it comes to our dreams, yeah Show no mercy cause it falls on me, yeah, yeah All I got is my team and they there when I need to Left. Lean on them for anything Left. All I need in this life of sin is just me and my drive to win. I'ma go hard to the end. You niggas lacking, man, that's hard to defend. Just understand these people judge me by the dark of my skin. I got a lot of shit depending on me. Live all these fears with these devils out here winning on me. That's why my head is out here spinning on me. They got me on the island, I'm Deontay Wilder in the seven Trying to catch my balance, look I'm ready for that challenge Plus anything that goes, cause I'm working on my plan And I'm trying to hit these goals I was praying for these highs, but I'm always hitting lows I was trapped, stuck in my head and I ain't got no place to go I ain't got no one to talk to, so this mic the one that knows And this music is the only thing that hit a nigga so They was bringing me that heat, it just made a nigga cold Even though I'm in my head, just know a nigga never fold I was praying my head up in the sky Know he always listen, I was scared to ask him why These random acts of God got me wondering the plan So I get it how I live, I was trying to be the man toast I've been reaching high, I want everything I've been staying down, I've been on the scene, yeah All I got is my team and they there when I need to Lean on them for anything I've been reaching high, I want everything I've been staying down, I've been on the scene, yeah Work hard for the cream and it's falling on me Cause you know that I got bigger dreams Show no mercy, just how it be, yeah Show no mercy when it comes to our dreams, yeah Show no mercy cause it falls on me, yeah, yeah. All I got is my team and they there when I need to Left. Lean on them for anything I stand here trying to figure it out when your ambition shooting high, but you live with the doubt. You wanna shine all in this game, but they sitting you out. And people start to acting different, it's witting you out. Look, look, you peeped the change up, that shit was strange. When it happened, I'm standing tall, but that shit was pain. You was my nigga from the core, man, that shit was lame. We try to get back to before, but ain't shit the same. So I move different, I'm getting focused. Still wishing and hoping, but these leeches and these locusts is steady, ripping me open. I'm fighting some strong demons, I'm needing my soul clean. Sleep should be a but I'm stuck in some cold dreams So I slip into my vices and think about the past How a nigga was out here fighting and take all the jabs That was the price of living righteous in this world of crabs So I'm constantly living my life inside a boarded glass I was praying, my head up in the sky Know he always listen, I was scared to ask him why These random acts of God got me wondering the plan So I get it how I live, I was trying to be the man Toast, 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 toast.